Good morning. My name is Amber Carroll, and if I haven't had the chance to meet you, oh, hey, Sydney and Mike, good to see you. Um, <laughs> we just became friends on Facebook. It's like, um, anywho, uh, it's good to, good to see you this morning. Um, I'm just glad to be together today in a place where we have the freedom to worship God and uh, come together as brothers and sisters, and sometimes not yet believers in Jesus. So this is a safe place for you to come and belong before you might even believe in God and this amazing life that we have as the church. And so I want to welcome you. Our vision here is to be a place where people can come to be known, belong, and be loved, to know and be known by God who created and loves us, to belong to a community no matter how messy your life is. You can, you can be here, and you can bring it all here. Um, and, and we welcome you. And, and, um, and then be loved. That's an action word that we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to bring Jesus to all corners of the earth. The great commission that Jesus gave before he ascended, um, after his, his uh, resurrection, he said, I want this command I give you, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he says, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And make disciples and baptize them. And so if you're joining us today um, we, and you haven't been here for a while or you've, you've been back, we are still in a message series entitled Made for More. And guys, I don't need that. Just shut it off. Um, if you've been with us for uh, the last six weeks or ever. Um, we've been having a hard time with this for some reason. But this Thursday, we are having Ken A.V. join us. And so hopefully we will come to figure out what the heck is going on. Anywho, um, I think that there's like little demons in our wiring <laughs> that want to like thwart my plan. So anywho, um, would you mind, uh, let's just go to God in prayer before we get, uh, we get going any further. So join me in prayer. Loving God, we thank you so much for this day and thank you for this place. Thank you for a place to gather and worship uh, worship you. Thank you for um, the people who've walked in the doors today. You know each of our situations intimately. You know what we are going through in our lives. And so I pray that as we wrestle with those, um, I just pray that you make yourself known. And I pray that uh, we feel your presence in this room. We know you are here. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Amen. Um, I just finished, my family and I just finished watching the uh, TV series Lost. Anyone ever watch that series Lost? Anyone? Yeah, okay. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah. So good. So much Jesus in it, by the way amazing story. Anywho, we, it took us a whole year. It's long, a long, a long, uh, long series, but the, the uh, spoiler alert, kind of not really, um, cause it doesn't really make sense. Even when you watch the whole thing, um, is that they're, they're, uh, the story is about these people who are on this Island. They're, they're, plane crashes and they end up on this island and the island has this like kind of supernatural power and they're, they, 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 they just want to get off the island and get back home. And so they get their wish, they go home, but it, something doesn't feel right. And so the main character is Jack Shepard, and his dad is Christian Shepard, this whole Christian Shepard. There's a communion scene and all that. But the whole point of this, this series is that Jack keeps saying, he's like, um, I know I was made for more. There's something the island wants, 
wants to do with me. I know I have a purpose. And he is willing to die on the island trying to find out what his purpose is rather than go back to the cushy life. He was a doctor and all that stuff. Um, and he was willing to give it all just so he could learn what he was made for. Like he knew he had a purpose and a reason for being there. And uh, we finally finished the series as a family, and it's kind of sad if you ever binge-watch any Netflix series. You kind of feel like you lose friends when it's over. Like, I miss Jack and Kate. Like, Hurley? I mean, what am I going to do? I miss them. Anyway, um, but this Made for More message series that we've been in is, is that we all have this deep desire to understand how God has uniquely wired and created us for purpose. There's a reason why we're here. We learn it in scripture and we just know it. And we know when we're not doing what we're created to do. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I know it's not this. Right? I was an ethanol truck scheduler for a little bit. And I sat and scheduled trucks on Excel spreadsheet. And for me, if you know me, that was not a good fit for me. But... um, in the Made for More uh, message series we've been in, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians, if you've been with us, and we said last week that the book of Ephesians is just, is just rich. It is just full of really good stuff, and I kind of equated it to cake. Like, it's like a three-layer cake that's just rich and beautiful, and we talked about the, um, the, the purpose behind it. Ephesians is a book, from, uh, Paul wrote it to this group of churches in Ephesus, and it's like a constitutional book. It's, it's useful for churches then, and it's useful for church now, and so we look at it to kind of understand how we are supposed to operate as, uh, as children of God, and how are we supposed to function as the church? I mean, what is the plan? How do we live into this and what are, how do we understand how God's called us and uniquely gifted us to live into this? Um, so the first layer we talked about was that there's this universal, um, this universal part of, of, the, of this calling to live into. And it's that when, um, when Jesus came and he showed us how to live and then he, um, he was crucified and he ascended into heaven in the heavenly realms, we read that he filled everything everywhere with the fullness of him. And we were given this promise that there is nowhere we can go where Jesus isn't already there. It says God placed everything under his footprint. I mean, that is how big and vast and powerful Jesus is. And as we are the body of Christ, as we embody Jesus in our lives, we get to rest in the knowledge that we are housed in this powerful, strong being who loves us and created us for a purpose, and everything's under his feet. So, I mean, we, we've got this, right? There's nowhere we can go. And so then the second layer is this personal fullness. And so it says that we are um, to be filled with the fullness of Christ so that we can go into all of the world, to every nook and cranny of society, and bring that goodness to the world, to be light in the dark places, and that we can do that because the power of Christ gives us the ability to do it, that we are God's handiwork. He has created us for something special and something unique, that we each have our own masterpiece mission that we've been designed to fill out and to, and to live into. And then that third layer, we said, is this church, like the ecclesial fullness, that we are to be full of the fullness of Christ so that we can um, mature 
and we can be fully mature. And we talked about what does it look like to be mature as a church? Do we display what Christ has called us to? And we talked about the different giftings. And the, the word we used was apest. Um, the, that was the acronym we used. And in, in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it said that he um, gave them for gifts of the, the church. So I had the stuff up there, but it's not working today. Um, you could have been following along. That's 4.11. Yeah, so it says, um, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so the idea is fullness to be fully mature personally and as a church, and then to bring that into the world, and that we are given the gifts and equipped to do that. So this is good news. This is good news. And then we look, at, we look around and we say, okay, then, then, then what next? Then, then what is the problem that we need to fill? We ask the question all the time, what are the gaps? What are the gaps that we need to fill? So today we're going to look at Ephesians 5. And if you brought a Bible, um, you could open that up now. Maybe you have an app on your phone that you'd want to follow along. But in Ephesians 5, um, he, uh, Paul is talking to the church on how they are to live as the body. How are they supposed to behave with one another, um, bearing with one another, forgiving one another? He's talking about how do we represent Christ. And then he says, for once you were darkness, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. So he's saying once you didn't know, but now you know. And now that you know, live fully as children of light. And so how do we live? Like, what does that look like? to live. And so I love this. Paul is in this next part. He's like sounding a wake-up call to the church that he's talking to. He says here, he says, um, this is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know, he's talking to the church, and it's a brand new movement. It just started, and he's saying, wake up, sleeper. And I think they were pretty awake. I mean, they sp- it spread like crazy. He planted churches like crazy, but he's saying, wake up, sleeper. And it is a strange state of being where it is possible to, uh, for someone to be actively engaged in like all of the right religious stuff, like actively coming to church and being here and, and doing the, I don't know, the status quo. And he's saying, um, wake up because you can do that and still be sound asleep. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed to stay awake, but you were so sleepy, you just could hardly do it? Like right now, maybe? No. <laughs> You know, have you ever been in, like, a class, if you can remember, where you're like, okay, the professor's teaching, and you're like, okay, don't sleep, keep your eyes open, you know, and you're just, I used to eat, like, sunflower seeds to try to stay awake. Or, or you know, um, like, you'll get called on if you fall asleep, you'll be used as an illustration, so wake up. Um, but you know that, that if you don't, if you don't wake up, you could embarrass yourself or miss something very important, uh, but you've, 
like, I know, like, when you watch a movie at night at my house, like, it's just terrible. It's like permission to go to sleep. Even if you try, you know, you just kind of, like, give in to, like, if you just sink in a little more comfortably and then, like, allow the blinks to be longer and just kind of let the sleepy bear jump on your back and you just, like, settle in. You know, Paul says, be careful how you live because the days are evil. See, I think that um, evil presents itself very differently. We think evil might be red eyes and fangs and, like, bloody and scary. But that is not the way that the evil one presents itself. See, he says the days are evil, and I think that the culture that we live in wants nothing more than for us to just settle in and get all cozy and comfortable. See, our culture says, go with the flow, Like, if it's easy, do it. Don't worry. You just need to be comfortable. Don't disrupt your life. Make everything comfortable. Make everything easy. And I don't know about you, but I have um, read in Scripture, and when Jesus said, anyone who wants to be my disciple must do what? Deny yourself comfort, luxury, all of the things. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And you know that back in ancient Days, the cross was a represent, rep, uh, represented torture, <laughs> execution. The cross was, was death. He said, take up the cross daily and follow me. The Jesus way is very different than the way that the culture says. The culture says, be cozy, get comfortable, sink on in. And Jesus says, um, no, deny yourself, live for other people, live as children in the light in this dark world and follow me, and you can be my disciples. Why do we care about waking up as a church? What does it look like as a church? If Paul is saying this to the church in Ephesus, but we know that scripture is to be used for all time, so it's applicable to us right now, he's saying, Hope Covenant Church, wake up. Wake up, sleeper. What does that mean? What are we being called to wake up to? And do, does that apply to us? Do we're in really good company, let's just say this real quick, because the disciples um, often were sleepy. I mean, if you can think of, like, the epic times when they were sleeping, I think uh, most importantly is in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that Jesus was handed over. He said, hey, guys, can you stay awake for, like, one hour and pray? And what did they do? They fell asleep, and the guards came, and they took him. And Jesus pleaded with their sleepiness, and Paul is pleading with the church's sleepiness. And so we need to take that to heart. Like we potentially could be, have, be, we could be getting lured to sleep in comfort. How do we know the world is, is sleepy? How do we know that there is a spiritual sleepiness around us? I think that there are people in our lives that aren't yet following Jesus then maybe our lives are not countercultural enough that we're living, that they see something so beautiful and unique that they want to be a part of it. If your life looks just like those next to you, and you look just like the rest of the culture, I think Paul's saying, wake up. Do what it takes to wake up. We need you to wake up and live as children of the light. So how do we wake up? What are the things we can do to wake ourselves up? And we know that when we read in Scripture that love is the ultimate, uh, per, ultimate thing that will wake people up. That the love of a Savior, the sacrificial love of Jesus, the love of, of another will wake us up to the beautiful 
beautiful nature of God. But so does discomfort. Getting out of your comfort zone will wake you up. Chaos, difficult places, um, things that make us uncomfortable, that will wake you up. It will get your attention. I can think of times in my life where I feel like I was lured to sleep by the culture and wanting um, to, to have whatever I wanted whenever I wanted it. And I felt God very clearly say, you're going to have to get really uncomfortable here to hear my voice. Because when we hear the other voices of the culture so loud, we can miss the better voice of God. I remember there was a time in 2007 where I was just so consumed with um, my hair. I think I might have told you about this. Like, I used to dye my hair like crazy. All colors and shapes and, like, stupid bangs. I think I've told you this is terrible. Don't ever. Um, um, But I heard, I really felt God say, I need you to give up your hair for a little bit and um, stop it. And it was sad. It was painful. I really liked getting my hair done. I, I enjoyed that. But for me, it was something that I had to do. I also got a go phone, and that was interesting. That, that, was, that was good. Um, if you've ever fasted, try fasting, denying yourself food. You want to wake up to the voice of God. Anytime you deny yourself food, your stomach will tell you, like, you're hungry, you need food. And then you say, God, what, what do I really need from you? But what are the things that we can do to wake up. You know, I have this reoccurring dream that I am um, asleep behind the wheel of a car. And I don't know if you, many of us have reoccurring dreams that kind of haunt us, but this is a dream I have. And sometimes I'm in the driver's seat and sometimes I'm in the back seat trying to steer and, but I can't wake up. And my dream is like, I'm trying to stop and I can't get the car to stop. And it's terrifying. It's a constant dream. And I don't know about you, but there've been times when I've been um, behind the wheel of a car and been way too sleepy and I know better and I shouldn't have been driving. I don't know if you've been there whatever. But a couple years ago, we went to a Bethel concert in Oklahoma, and um, we were coming back, and it wasn't that late, but Aiden and Mia were sound asleep in the back, and John and I were driving. It was probably 11 o'clock at night. We were so tired. I mean, and we were like screaming like, God, wake up, wake up, and like trying to slap our faces, and we had the windows down and our head out the window. Like, we were so tired, and I don't know why we didn't just get a hotel room, and like, I don't know why we put the precious cargo in danger. Um, But I knew the only way that we were able to stay awake was by slapping ourselves in the faces and sticking our head out the window. But the discomfort of the cold air and slapping yourself in the face is what kept us awake. It's what uh, awoken us. Have you ever, um, have you ever, like, uh, been uh, asleep? Does anyone sleep talk, talk in their sleep? So you're giggling. So my daughter is a terror, like she's so funny. She, she talks in her sleep mostly to yell at Aiden, mostly. And I'm, that's my son. She, she'll yell at him, Aiden, stop it. Like she, she's so mad at him all the time in her sleep. Um, anyone sleepwalk? Any sleepwalkers? Well, I've asked Jamie and Brady Sharp to come up for just a minute. Because as I was looking at this scripture today, um, I thought it would be great to hear um, Come on, you're coming on up. Um, this is great. You can come up here, can you? Yeah, you're good. He's being gentlemanly. He's being gentlemanly. So I, here, this is on. Go for it. 
<laughs> I was the one sleeping. I don't uh, yeah. <laughs> so I had, uh, we, we, just, we had just met, and we were at your house, and I don't know how we got on the topic of sleepwalking, but they started sharing a little bit, and it's, it's unbelievable. If you've never met a sleepwalker or had stories of it or experienced it, it's un, is just awesome, and the two of them together. I just wanted just for a minute to, to share. So Jamie and Brady, just real quick, tell us a little bit about like, how long you've been married and about your family. And uh, Almost 15 years. All right. <laughs> 15 years in May. So. Awesome. And your kiddos? Two kids, Hannah and Wyatt. Great. Awesome. You're going to put that up there and people can hear you. I know you love this. Okay, thank you. So, Brady, you're the one that sleepwalks. Yes. Yes. Can you recall, like, when it started? Uh, My whole life, Uh, even when I was little bitty. I remember my dad chasing me around in the snow, trying to get me to come back inside. Uh, Just really crazy. Playing football in his underwear. Yeah. In the snow. My sister's not here this morning, but... I don't think, but I threw up in her closet when I was a kid. <laughs> really crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, bizarre. Okay, so uh, we, we don't have, like, enough time to tell, but I just wanted for just a minute, a couple of the stories you've shared I thought were just fascinating. It's fascinating. Um, what w- one of the earliest memories that you have? <laughs> He's a disaster. Um, <laughs> Uh, one of the earliest ones, and he wasn't really sleepwalking this one, but we were sound asleep like three in the morning, and he just rolls over and puts his hand on my face. He's like, don't say a word. <laughs> He's like, somebody's in our house. And I'm like freaking out, and he just rolls back over and goes to sleep. <laughs> done. So, he's done that twice, and the second time didn't go very well for him, so he got kicked real hard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, there's been some that, like, he likes to maybe, like, clean out cabinets in the middle. He's moved furniture. He, <laughs> and I don't wake him up anymore because he gets really defiant. He gets angry. <laughs> he was rustling around in the kitchen drawer one time. And I'm like, what are you doing? He used a few choice words and turns around like, I'm just making orange juice. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Another time in the kitchen, I hear him again. I'm like, what are you doing? I just have something stuck in my throat. And he's... Like devouring popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) he found some peeps, like the Easter peeps. Like five, had five years old in the very top back cabinet. Devoured those suckers in the night. That's why I can't lose any weight. I I honestly, I don't wake up anymore because he's up all the time. Just, he'll turn on the light, go stand in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there were, one of them you told where you woke up out, like, at the front of your driveway. You want to tell about that, like, your experience of that? (laughs) Yeah, we, so we live in a rural area, and our driveway is probably a quarter mile long or so. We have two ponds, and the driveway goes right over the dam of one of them. And (laughs) it really is the most unnerving feeling ever to wake up in your underwear way far away from the house and you can just hear crickets and toads and, you're like, oh, and, I, and I have the most tender feet I can't walk barefooted anywhere and I'm out there in the rocks and then I can't even get off the rocks onto the grass because I'm like oh my gosh 
And, and then I go back inside, and I'm like, Jamie, you're not going to believe this. She's like, yeah, actually, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, well, Amber asked me to share another one. It was, it was honestly the most scary, eye-opening time that I'd ever done it. I, I very seldom wake up, and when I do, it's real foggy. But, um, and all this happens whenever I have uh, disruptions in my sleep cycle, um, anything like that, or I get real stressed about something. I was driving a truck when I was in college, and I would leave the house like two or three o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> and I woke up, and I was fully dressed for work in my truck with a starter. And I was like, "Whoa!" I mean, I was as close to driving somewhere. I don't, I don't know where I was going. I guess work, but <laughs> yeah, it is. It is very unnerving. And there's medication, but the side effects are crazy. So. Don't want to trade crazy for crazy. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Any, anything else? Nope. We're not supposed to wake sleepwalkers. Is that a real thing? Man, he gets violent. I said, if anything ever happens to me in the night. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it. Okay, can we go now? You can go now. Thank you for sharing. Oh man, it they, they have and there's more stories. It's just it's it's that's awesome. But I was I was thinking about them when I was reading this passage because I thought um, they're real. I mean, as funny as it is, there is a real danger if he doesn't wake up from his sleep as he's sleepwalking. I mean, if he would have actually started the car and started to drive while he was asleep, he could have ended up in the pond in his, uh, well, you were in college, but he could have killed himself, could have killed people on the road. I mean, that's pretty dramatic, but, but the, the illustration really is like, what happens if we fall asleep at the wheel when we're sleepy and we're driving? Or what happens if we're just walking through life asleep? I mean, they're, they're, he's saying these words to the church because he knows this is life or death. In insignificant life, not lived on purpose the way God has designed us and created us, will lead to a, like a, a spiritual kind of death. And he's saying, we need you to wake up. And so as the church, how do we do this thing awake? What can we do what can we do to wake up? Well, you know, telling somebody about Jesus will wake you up. Getting out of your comfort zone. You know, we are called to be on mission where we live, work, and play. And being a missionary doesn't mean you have to cross the ocean. It just might mean you have to cross the street or the fence or the cubicle or the classroom. Being, living life on mission, on purpose, is a way of saying, okay, Jesus, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to follow you. As the church, Hope Covenant Church, we believe God has put a, a, a dream in our heart and in this body. We are responding to that dream as we live into this, the mission and ministry of Hope Covenant Church. We think we've, we've, we feel that we have um, sensed God guiding us. We feel like we know where God is calling us to go, the, the places of our community that he's asking us to lean into. 
And last, uh, the end of last year, we did something called Heartbeat of Hope, and we gathered people together who wanted to come and share what it is about this church that, that they're drawn to and that they love. And um, we heard back all kinds of awesome feedback. And from that feedback, we said, okay, we think we're on the right track, and we think we are made for more than what we've been doing. And so we got together and we said, okay, here's the mission and the ministry that uh, we think God's doing in us and around us and through us. And then we put together this, this uh, we, I hate to use the, the word budget, but we put together a budget to say, here's what it's going to take to live into that. I did this this week. Um, <clears throat> And so we, we put all this together. We presented it at our uh, Belong Gathering, the congregational meeting, a couple weeks ago and got unanimous approval. And we're all like really looking forward to what God is doing in this place. And if you are new or relatively new here, um, I'm about to share some information that might make you, um, I, I pray that you receive the information I'm about to share, uh, knowing the heart behind it. And... Um, so uh, first, let me, let, me, let me step back for just a minute. If you are new or relatively new here, um, you may or may not know that we, in uh, August 2016, we replanted this church. Um, so we are going into our 15th year in existence, but two and a half years ago, we replanted, and we are operating like a baby church, like a replant and last week, we talked about the different gifts of the Spirit, the um, apostle, prophet. So I, as your lead pastor, have strong gifts of apostleship. Like, I, can, I have uh, vision. I love church plant, and, and I um, don't have this desire to go plant a bunch of churches. But to be a part of a body that is in this baby stage, this replant phase, is really exciting for me. Because I think when you're new, you have a lot of freedom to respond to how the Spirit is calling you and leading you. You're kind of creating your identity, and it's an awesome and exciting time. So being a part of this community now is, is so cool. Now, if you've been in church before, in other churches that we would call maybe legacy churches or existing traditional churches, they've got just this long legacy and tradition. And a lot of times that's beautiful, but the other side of that is it's hard to sometimes move and make decisions. Another beautiful thing about long-term churches that have been around for a long time, they've had opportunities to maybe build up uh, reserves or receive endowments from people who've passed away, who've given money to the church for the mission and ministry to continue on for generations. But in a new church, we work hard at, you know, we start with nothing, and then we begin to build build up money and learn the way that we're supposed to and operate the way we're supposed to. So last year, 2018, we were able to put away $26,000 into a savings account, and I was looking at our budget, and that's right at 10%-ish of what we brought in. And we also gave 10%, our first fruits of our giving, back into the the mission and ministry of the covenant. And so we gave 10%, we saved 10%, and we lived on the rest. I mean, we modeled kind of what we believe biblical stewardship is all about. 2018, awesome. We were able to share each and every week when we got up here what was uh, really cool, what God was doing. And Bryce is our finance chair, and he loved last year because he could just get up and be like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This is awesome, right? And God has been adding to our numbers and providing in amazing ways abundant, abundant provision. I mean, it's just been like 
it's just blown our mind. So, I'm sharing something with you this morning. Um, so, the, so the difference is we have a $26,000 savings account, which we're really proud of, starting in January. Um, January was a low month giving, for whatever reason, whatever reason it was, but we had to dip into our savings account by $6,000. So uh, we took that out this past week. So it's February. So if you're not a math person, let me help you out. That leaves 20000 in a savings account, which is still, you know, um, is still good. However, uh, given the first couple, we, you know, we look at the monthly income um, by a weekly uh, calculation, and we've had low giving again in February so far. And, um, and so I'm coming to you to say if, if February is, uh, uh, ends up being like January and we have to take another 6000 out of our savings, if you did the math, that leaves us at 14000 So I'm not up here to scare you or sound any alarm bells. I just want to kind of lay it out there to say um, we need you to be um, praying about your part in the mission and ministry of this church. Um, we have been able... Oh, oh, did you see that? Golly. Um, we have been able to get up and share uh, a lot of really great news. And, and I still think, I, I know God is, is with us and God is in this and... Um, We're not like freaking out or panicking, but we think it's fair to share with you this news and this information. Um, So what we are going to ask for you to do, I mean, I'm giving you this information and you're, um, maybe this is a surprise or you knew this, um, but what we're going to ask for you to do first and foremost, over the next 30 days, we are asking our people to join us in prayer. And uh, we're going to ask you to collectively, every day at noon, if you would set an alarm on your phone or whatever method you want to do that, to to commit to pray for our church, for this body, every day at noon for 30 days. And then we're going to take it one step further and ask if you would consider joining us in fasting on Tuesdays. We're going to fast and pray together on Tuesdays, whether that is fasting for like the entire day. Uh, maybe, maybe if you would um, fast at lunchtime, maybe just fast one meal. And we're going to meet in this room Tuesdays at noon. And together we're going to pray and we're going to fast. And we're going to ask God to reveal in us and through us what it is that, um, what, what do we need to do? How do we respond to this as individuals and also as a church? And then pray for, um, if, if there is anything that you need as far as your personal finances go, we are going to be offering, uh, we're going to do financial peace again starting at March 25th on a Monday. It's going to be a Monday night FPU class. People would ask for that, so we're going to be doing that. And we also would love to do some budget workshops. Maybe there's some people say, I just need help with my budget. I don't know how to do this. And we would love, we have people who are very, very good at that and would love to help walk you through that. And so if you need um, prayer in that or you need support in that, we want to walk alongside you as well um, in, in doing that. As your leadership team, and in fact, I'm going to ask our leadership team members to stand where they're at. If you do not know who our leadership team members are, 
um, these fabulous uh, men and women are available anytime. Like if you have questions or concerns, um, they are the ones that can help, help you and um, field those questions and comments. But um, so that's, this is our team. Thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, they, they do a lot. If you are a member or a regular attender or you've given financially to support this church, you're going to be getting a letter this week. We're sending letters home that kind of explain this a little bit more in detail, so you'll be receiving those. We've committed as a a leadership team to do that um, for you every month. We want to be as transparent as possible and to be as open and and, transparent transparent as possible for how how we stand with all that. We're going to do weekly updates for our giving and expenses, or giving, I think. Um, We'll put them on the bulletin boards in the hallways and up front. We haven't done this. Um, Part of the history, when we got here in 2016, this church had been through a lot when it came to finances, and there had been a lot of talk about money, and we've done everything we have um, in our power to not do that as as kind of a rule to not talk about it too much um, up here because it can get weary. Um, but today we felt it really important for you to, to know where we're at. And, um, and so we believe that everything we need, God has given us. That in this room right now, we have what we need. We just, we need, um, we need you to know that we need you. We need every single one of you. You are valuable and you are vital to the furthering this mission in this community. And we know God has got some big stuff. And we know that this church is made for more. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. And this is not a plea for you to give right now. In fact, <laughs> I know the timing of it is at the end of... Um, the, and the band is going to come forward. And the ushers are going to come forward, but the band needs a minute to get set up. So I'm having them come forward now while we do this. Um, whatever you were feeling when you walked in, when it came, come to this time of day, <laughs> the time in the morning for our giving, this, uh, I am not asking you, to, I, I did not make this today to guilt you into doing what uh, into doing something that you're not comfortable with, please know that that is not the intent at all. That um, we want financially healthy families. We want a financially stable and healthy church. And so uh, we just thought it would be fair to let you know where, where, we, uh, where we are. Um, so some other, other next steps as we, you know, we talk about our financial uh, being good uh, uh, stewards of our financial resources, and it's also of our people and our talent and our time. This past Tuesday, we had a crescendo workshop, and so it was a, a dinner and a workshop for boomers and beyond, and we had about 31 people in attendance to that who are coming together to say, what? how do I live into this the third calling of my life? And so they're going to meet again on Tuesday night here, and if you are interested in, in uh, joining us, we would love, love, love to have you. Um, and was that it? Did I miss anything? Did I miss anything? All right. Would you commit to praying with us every day at noon? 
And as you're praying, if God brings to light answers or you feel clarity or direction or you need, or you need your people, your church body, please reach out and let us know. We are not meant to do this alone. We were not meant to go through this life alone. This community um, needs the church. This community needs us together on mission in this place. And it is good to be here today. Would you join me in prayer? God, we, we come to you and we just thank you for all that you are and all that you do for us and in us. As your children, as, a, as sent ones into a dark place, I ask that you, um, you guide the way, that you light the path for us, that we can see a way forward as we live into our personal callings, as, as to be on mission for you where we live, work, and play. Bring to light the people that you are calling us to, to speak truth into their lives. Bring names to mind who need to know the good news of Jesus. Bring to mind relationships that are just in desperate need of repair and love. And give us the courage to to step into those uncomfortable and awkward situations to to make things right that are that are broken, to to apologize, to repent, to do whatever it takes to to just have your name glorified and lifted high. And Lord, we confess that we are in a sleepy culture where comforts out, outweigh oftentimes obedience. And so um, our natural re- reality is just sometimes to want to just lie down and give in to the sleepiness. But I pray that you would give us, your church, your leaders, give us an urgency in our steps Give us an urgency that would wake us from our slumber. That we would be open to embracing the plans that you have for us. That we would want nothing more than to be a part of your masterpiece. To understand that we are uniquely made. God, when we give of our offerings, I pray that we give out of of a sense of love for you and worship for you and a desire to to lean into what you're doing in our lives. And you've you've told us it's not going to be easy, but it's better. God, that your way is the best way. And so as we discern what that looks like for each of our lives and our discipleship and our obedience to you, I just, I pray that you give us a, a sense of peace for your leading I thank you for all of the gifts and the offerings and the tithes that will be given today and in the future. And I just um, I, I ask that you continue to use them to further your kingdom here on earth. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.